Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie's here. Mr. Malocus joins us. First off, congratulations. First podium in IndyCar. How has the last 48 hours since the race ended been? Yeah, thank you. It has been it has been very nice. Uh, yeah, extremely nice. It's uh, it's been an experience. I feel like I have been playing you know a video game my whole life, and I feel like I've finally like defeated one of the the last bosses, and I've like reached my final form of Malukas. I feel like a changed person. I feel like I'm brand new. Yeah, it's almost like you know you defeated one of the Penske bosses per se in McLaughlin. Actually, two technically, because I think you passed. Yeah willpower in that last stint and so you just have to defeat the i guess quote-unquote top boss and joseph newgarden now which is i mean he's probably the top boss at gateway that's for sure yeah probably at gateway but i'm pretty sure power is still leading the championship right? yeah yeah by three or four or something like that three points so i have one bit from st louis and then we'll just talk podium and whatnot i had the worst pizza of my life this weekend in st louis Everybody says like St. Louis pizza is you know pretty good. You know, it's I've never heard that. Yeah, I, me either. I have heard it a couple times on Twitter today alone how good St. Louis pizza is, and 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 my dad can confirm it is the it was the worst thing I've ever eaten. But did, did you do like a tourist trap? Did you get like did you wait in a line for it? <laughs> no, no. Okay, all right. Well, at least that's fine. I I ha- we we door dashed it with a delivery driver who. Okay. It's a very, very sketchy character, to put it mildly. Nice. Like, my dad was like, so there's like 15 steps out front of the Airbnb, and he's like, just go down and, and grab it from the guy. And I got all the way down there, and I turned around, and, he, and when I walked back up, he was like, I'm so sorry, I thought you weren't going to make it. So it was, it was a rough a rough start to the, to the Airbnb trip. But anyway. I thought DoorDash was supposed to deliver to your door. Yeah, well, you couldn't take it up the steps. You know, my dad was like, "I'll oh, be nice, help the guy out," because it's a lot of steps, and then like that's where niceness sometimes can come back to bite you. That's all I have on that one, though. What was so bad about the pizza? You didn't uh, go to detail. Well, the- let's get a Gordon Ramsay review. I want to know like the flavor profile. What hints did you get? The smells. <laughs> When it hit your taste buds from the back to the Probably front. a lot of things I can't say on the podcast because it was really that bad. But it was really like the, the pizza sauce. Like the pizza sauce was not marinara sauce. There was nothing. It was almost like it wasn't. It was like some sort of substitute for marinara sauce or pizza sauce or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was almost like so- sweet and sour e sauce <laughs> that sounds so bad it was awful it was awful <laughs> i don't think you could even call that pizza but did you not just order like a cheese pizza just like, did a, you order just something a, just, special nope just a cheese pizza and it had the worst sauce ever 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 i've ever had interesting so what can you like relate it to for like the people listening in like what, what is it like relatable to like a amusement park pizza or like a worse Chuck e. cheese worse worse wow wow how was the crust, though? Fine. Like, you eat the first one, you're like, wow, this is weird, but, like, I'm hungry, so I'm going to have the second slice. And then, like, you eat the second slice, and you're like, this is complete garbage. Like, it's it's not even – like, I didn't even want to save the leftovers because, like, my plan was save the leftovers so when we get back from the track the next day, like, you have something there if, if you don't have time to, to eat. And it wasn't, like we, – we didn't even bother. Did you have any, like, dipping sauces with it? Like, no, ranch or something? no. 
I also don't like ranch. You should leave a scathing review. I, I, le- I gave them two stars on DoorDash, and I said the pizza sauce is awful, and Door- DoorDash <laughs> took down my review for offensive language. <laughs> wow. I thought they were gonna, you were going to say that they gave you a refund, nope. because that's probably what they should have yep, done. Yep. No, it's, it's cool. It's cool. Well, let's talk about let's talk about race cars. Offensive <laughs> language. So, David, you, you obviously love Gateway. You won both races there last year in Indy Lights. You came home second this year. What is it about Gateway that that suits you as a driver so well? Oh, I don't know. I just feel like I, I said it in the the press conference a little bit. Like I just feel like as soon as I enter the track i feel there's like an invisible dome that you can't see and as soon as i go through it i feel like me and the track just get this connection and i just get super happy and excited and i don't know i just i love the flow of the track with the way turn three and four to one and two being a bit tighter and you get the quicker three and four i just have such a good flow with it and i just every lap i go to i just feel like i kind of get an understanding of how to start setting people up and i mean of course you need to have a very good car to, to be able to do that. Sure. But. Is that the only track that you get have gotten that vibe with so far this year? Or yeah, it's no, it, like Gateway is normally like that really good vibe that I get, and also Road America. Road America okay. is also like a place I'm like have a good connection with. But Road America is more like a childhood connection, and Gateway is more just of that success that we've had. So I was talking to my dad at some point on Saturday. So. One of the very first interviews I did on the road, like traveling for the podcast, was 2018 with you and Road America. You won both races with BN Racing that year, and I remember in Pro Mazda, yes, right? Pro Mazda, and I remember walking back to the media center with Diane Swintel, who I'm super sad was not there this weekend to to witness your podium. Yeah. And I re- and we were saying, yeah, he's gonna be in, he's gonna he's gonna be an IndyCar driver one day. So. We've always believed, and so it's super cool to see that like actually happen this weekend. But did you feel like the first half, first eighty percent of the race was getting a little processional? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, the beginning was still having a little bit of excitement, but yeah. it was mainly just that middle stint was like. I think it was the first time in the in in like the car where I actually kind of struggled to focus because it was just getting so repetitive and nothing was happening. Is that when you started just, singing? That's is when I started singing. So it's just because everybody is just following the leader, you know. It's yeah. just like whoever's in front, you just follow them, and everybody's trying to hit these fuel targets. So you're going really slow. You can't really make a pass if you try to get a run because. I say suck. You can't really get a good suck at Gateway. Yeah. So even if you get like a good run out, you don't really get a good suck. So then the person can just block you. So now you just wasted if you try to go into like a max, you know, fuel mode. Now you just wasted a bit of fuel. So now you have to fuel safe for another three more laps extra hard. So it's it came to a situation where you just got stuck, didn't do anything. Um, and then yeah, that's when I started singing because I was just like, I was like, man, I'm just going round and round and. Uh. You spin my <laughs> head right. And so then, yeah, so then I started singing, um, try to lift the, the spirits up of the uh, engineers um, and mechanics because I also heard them, like, their own voice. They were like, yeah, I know this sucks, uh, but, like, everybody's stuck like this, even the leaders. So it's like, you're doing fine. <laughs> Have you sung in a race car during a race before? To myself personally, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. but I have not done that to to a team, okay, um, like on the radio. But just the team connections like that good and that like informal, like I can just you know arm over shoulder friendly type deal that I feel like I can I can do that. 
Um, but then Poncho went on the radio. He's like, yeah, that single was not bad, but can we do something? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, Poncho, I'd love to, but like, I have to hit this fuel target. So it's like tough to do something while hitting a fuel target. Is this going to become a new thing? Like 80, 80 song of the race or whatever? Yeah, or- maybe. I don't know. I have to like look back at, at, at different songs on what to sing. Uh, but that song just really matched well for the whole scenario. Wait, I, I have to ask, because I know Frenchie had never heard of the, the remixed version. Are you are, Were you singing the 80s version or the remixed Flo Rida version? I was singing the, the, the 80s version, but um, the, but the remix, I, I mean, I was, I was listening to both of them on the way back home. So. Okay, okay. I mean, they're both good. I like both of them. Yeah, I don't know if one's better than the other. But we can pretend whatever well, one. Yeah. Whatever one. Yeah, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Frenchie? I wanted to ask you, I guess, if your success in Indie Lights at Gateway had any impact or effect on going... Like, you said you have this relationship with the track, but was there anything that you used, do you think, from your experience in Indie Lights to get the result that you did this weekend? I, I, I mean, 100%. I think having that knowledge that... I, we did very well there last year. Of course, it's a different car, and like Indy car is completely different. Um, but knowing that we've had that previous success, and knowing that we have a very good oval car, and we tested there a week before, I already knew going into it that Gateway was going to be our best chance on trying to get the best result we could. Um, and in qualifying, we unfortunately got like a little bit um, overboard with the setup, and we ended up making it. Um, a, little, a little bit on the slidey end, almost spun out as soon as I left the pits. Um, so then had a we we you know we made a bit of a mistake there with the setup and still qualified twelfth, which just showed you how good that car was. Um, and then we you know had a really good race and managed to bring it back up to second. So you you got to follow you know McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, Pato, I think were the other were the guys you passed in the last stint. Maybe somebody else. Did you pass Takuma too, or was he a spot behind you? I, I I did. So you got to pass guys who are all really good at ovals. Did you uh, yeah. did you see something like driving against them where you're like, wow, I, I should do that next time, or like pick up on any kind of anything that you could use in the future? Yeah, the, the entire time uh, following Rossi Castro Neves. I mean, we pass a lot of people. Actually, yeah. tomorrow I'm gonna po- I'm getting like a collage of all the passes I made. The screen did get cracked a little bit, but I think it's still fine. So I'm gonna get a collage of all the passes and, and post it because uh, there was a lot of good passes. And because we didn't have the in car on board, we unfortunately can't can't see that. Which I just please in car just add the on board on every car, <laughs> please, 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 please. That's all I want. Um, so yeah, we uh, we made many passes, and Rossi, who was I was stuck behind the most during those like middle stints. Um, I learned a lot behind him, Castro Neves, uh, Takuma. Realistically, everybody I went through, especially towards the end, it's like you it, power. You know, I you you go them, you see the way they block and how they cut down. You're like, oh, that's good to know. I'll keep down <laughs> the back of my head. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, also McLa- McLaughlin. Uh, I <laughs> I pronounce his name wrong. And it's McLaughlin, and so um, we did enjoy listening I, to that in the, in the yeah, press conference. So, yeah, so which makes sense because I know Penske care about details. So true, can't, can't get those spellings wrong or anything like that. Yeah, Frenchy. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Really looked like a Takuma move to me. That pass that you made on the end on McLaughlin. Like, did you? I assume you talked with him after the race, and what did he think of that result? 
you know, he thought it was really good. Um, he also had a chance to to be there. I think they made a bit of like a, a mistake on one of the the pit stops because I know they they stayed out, um, and he was he was leading, and and then when he did the pit stops, I think they they pitted one lap too late, so then he dropped back to like seventh or something. So, um, but you know, he he congratulated me and said that it was it was a good performance, and the move definitely came influenced from being with Takuma for an entire month of May. I've learned, you know, his no attack, no chance type deal. Of, I mean, I'm not hitting walls yet like he did at the, at the <laughs> qualifying. Um, that's, that's a long... And continuing, a long, yeah. Yeah, that's a long way until then. But uh, definitely, you know, getting that attacking kind of form coming from him, he's he's very aggressive and can, you know, manage to do it in, in a good way. So that came a little bit from him and just having a lot of confidence with the car to do that outside line and also just being a rookie and then seeing an opportunity and really trying my best to, to make the most out of it. So before the eventual red flag came out for the rain, you, you pit about five laps, I think before it came out when that red flag came out, came out where you kind of like, shit, if I just held it together for like a couple more laps, I could have won this race. Not obviously, you know, we didn't know at the time if it would go back green or not, but like did, did something like that cross your mind either when you were pitting or, you know, when that yellow flag came out for rain. Yeah, so we didn't have any any thought about the rain inbound. If we did, we probably would have fuel saved, but the, the problem was we ended up running out of fuel. So okay. we 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 pushed as long as possible because we had it was it all worked out beautifully for us. We had the clean track, like there's nobody in front. So we were hitting these lap times that was like a second quicker than the leaders, which they've already pitted and put these new tires on and we were still going quicker because they were stuck behind traffic. Um, so we were trying to stay as long as possible, get get that time cut off. Um, but then we ended up running out of fuel. Maybe we could have done one more lap, but that would be it. Uh, but if we would have known that it's going to rain, like, yeah, we definitely probably would have, like, done fuel saving for, like, five or six laps earlier to make sure that we can last until then. But, you know, it's 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 so tough to just guess that all out. Um, but it ended up going back green, which then if we would have stayed out, that would have been really bad for us. Right, um, right. Because then we'd have no fuel and... Uh, crappy tires so it, it would have kind of just been a disaster so it actually worked out in our favor so you you know, go through the red, how do you how do you kill a two-hour red flag when you know the race is like <laughs> coming back like do you, it was two hours two hours and nine yeah, minutes. two hours and ten minutes or something yeah. Yeah. okay so to me it felt like about 22 minutes like it felt really quick okay um mainly just so by the time i like all my excitement and rush from the the session came through. It was probably like an hour already into the uh, into the break. Yeah, uh, but I I remember the last like thirty minutes ish when they finally gave us like a, a call of when drivers to your cars. Um, that felt very long because that's when you're starting to say you're overthinking. You know all these different situations. You're playing it all in your head. Um, but for us, we knew we had a really good opportunity, and that was also kind of building up a little bit on the nerves through the entire team because yesterday, uh, well, the day before. Um, the practice, it was around that same time frame. And right when the sun started setting and the track cooled, our car got a lot better. Everybody's car obviously gets better when the track cools, yeah. but we had like a big gain compared to everybody else. So like on, if you were to look at it from a chart, we would make a big jump forward. So we knew that the cooler it got, the better our car would be. So once we knew that it was going back green, we were kind of hoping like just delay this as long as possible. Like a midnight start is fine. Um, and, uh, so yeah, obviously we went back out, and yeah, it was pretty clear that our car was on rails. When when you were, Frenchy, I'll let you get the next one in here. Sorry, when you when you, you were go. you know 
getting in the car and you're going, okay, I'm I'm starting. What were you starting? Sixth, fifth, fifth. Yeah, there's still still some some lap cars. Yeah, yeah, I mean there were some some lap cars in the middle, but you were you were you were fifth on the charts. What was a okay? You know, I think I have a shot at finishing. You know, second, third, winning. Like, what what was your mentality at that point? Going like, where where were, what were you thinking? I was thinking we definitely had a chance for a podium. Yeah. Uh, just because I also knew that Pato and Power had to do a bit of fuel saving and were on worse tire um, than us. We had like practically brand new. So I definitely knew a top three, but the two, the two Penske's, I wasn't really thinking we were going to catch up to them, um, especially since by the time I got around Power and Pato, it was like a big gap. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we still managed to, to catch up to them like pretty quick. But once you got, once I got close, it was so tough to get any sort of run. So I kind of was just going to be stuck there. And then thankfully we caught the lap cars and that kind of tightened us up to where I was able to just barely get a run on McLaughlin. Um, but... I wish I would have done the the higher line sooner. Yeah, I. So first off, I noticed when you got around Pato, you were about three seconds back, and li- no more than three or four laps later, that gap was a second and a third, maybe or something like that. It looked like your exit off of, or maybe in between three and four to your exit off of four, was like phenomenal almost every lap. Like that was the section of the track that you were totally hooked up in. Yeah, it was definitely three and four. One and two was kind of, I'd say, about the same. Uh, but the, it was mainly just, yeah, from mid, mid well, exit three to, to throughout four, yeah. we just would really get a good run. Um, but McLaugh- McLaughlin um, <laughs> had a really good job on, on blocking the line. But for some reason, behind the Penske's, it was just so tough because, you know, they also have a very good car. Uh, it's not like their cars were bad. And so they would also be able to get a pretty good run they were by far the hardest to to be following compared to the whole field uh but i went a little bit on the wider wider line on mclaughlin on that that last last lap and got a really good good run so i keep playing it back in my head man like man if i would have done that five laps sooner you know we would have maybe had a chance to to do something for new garden was there any worry about I guess either there not being enough grip up there or was it like because it rained you were you knew the track was going to be clean and you could run up there so I knew it was really clean and I did so many outside passes at the start of the session well the start of the the restart um but I ended up losing um poncho for a little bit there so I ended up having Ross to just spot for me at the time who's my engineer so he was just spotting for me when poncho was getting his radio sorted out and he's kind of the one that's been pushing me to, you know, use that outside line. And so as soon as he came back on, he was like, you know, he reminded me, he's like, Hey, you can use that outside line. Your car can take it. And it's like as clean as it's been this whole race. I mean, that's what kind of made me go for that move on McLaughlin. So one question, is it difficult or two questions? Is it more difficult having your engineer spot? Cause I heard you say on the radio, I, I, I lost Poncho or you know, Poncho say I lost David. I forget. You know, how it went but is there any change in terms of other than it's a different person any change in you know having an engineer on the pit wall s- spot versus having somebody up in up in the stands well i mean it's it's obviously a difference you know a, a, an engineer is successful at being an engineer and a spotter is being su- it's it's like getting you know like cristiano ronaldo to defend for a team you know it's yeah. it's just <laughs> It's like he can probably do it, but it's not like where he excels at. And uh, but it was something to obviously just to, to to do as a cover because the spotter is very necessary for ovals. 
especially with all the, the neck padding that you have, you can't move your head, you can barely see your mirrors. Um, so he was just spotting for me just to make sure that we're all good. Also, you know, maybe with officials, you know, because I'm pretty sure you're not really allowed to be out there if you don't have a spotter. So Ross obviously just covered up to when Poncho was able to get on. But Ross was still very good. It's just Poncho, you know, knows what to tell me, like, you know, oh, go use this high line or he's he's going to he's trying to block you on exit of four. So just get a run out of two or, you know, little tips like that. And I, you know, we we heard what you said in the press conference about Poncho afterwards. But what is it like working with Poncho Carter? uh he's uh he's great you know we started off this season and i i was i didn't the connection didn't really start off great because uh poncho is uh poncho's poncho you know he's uh he's aggressive so he's uh (laughs) you know if i do something stupid he'd be like yeah that was stupid don't do that again and so i was like oh well that's kind of rude though the hell um but then I realized, you know, you know, Ross would come up to me or Dale. He's like, no, that's just that's just how Poncho is. But he definitely cares. So we built up to him, especially spending a whole month with him. Um, it's it's the connection grew. And uh, no, this this race by far, we had the a really good connection going. And you know, when he calls me stupid, I just know that he's just being out of love, truthful, brutally honest, and uh, and just wants to make sure that I get a good result. So it, it's getting better. And also, since I'm, you know, getting better, I'm not you know from him i'm learning from yeah. him i he's he's not calling me like stupid as much so it, you know it's, it's, it's getting better uh but you know when when he says something like that you know it definitely sticks in your brain you know when you when he says like that was stupid it's definitely something that's going to be remembered because your brain remembers things that are out of the ordinary so you know it's like when people tell you if you want to remember something picture like an elephant dancing in the room or something i'm gonna try that because I'm yeah. Very so if you, if you ever want to try to remember something yeah. that you think is going to be important, just picture like something completely out of the ordinary or absurd, like an elephant dancing in the background, and I it'll it'll work. It, you'll remember it. All right. I like it. Did you get? I assume you got a lot of like congratulatory texts, and I knew I knew you got a lot of love on Twitter. I was seeing. What was the coolest message that you received? I assume maybe there are people that didn't even know you that reached out to say like hey man good job like this is the first of many yeah no it was really cool i so much support i normally try to get through all you know dms and and messages and and everything but this is the first time i i I seriously can't there's like (laughs) 500 dm requests on instagram and i I just can't (laughs) like it's so much and i'm like yeah okay i can't i don't know if i could go through all that but i'm i I think by the maybe within like a week i might be able to get through it i'm trying my best but yeah the first the after the race as well that night i had to just power my phone off because it was just vibrating like crazy and my battery was just getting drained so uh but no there's so many good messages many people the 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 most surprising were the messages from people that i used to go-kart with back when i was like seven years old eight years old and to me it's just it's so cool that like you know they're, they're 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 watching and you know from from having a connection back when we were go-karting or even like my teachers from like fifth grade, sixth grade were like, were reaching out to me, which was, which was mental to me. I, you know, I didn't know that they followed all that. So it was really cool. A lot of people from many different parts of my life, you know, came, came and congratulated me. It was, it was very cool. I saw one from Bubba Wallace right after True. the race, or maybe it was like right before the race ended and you were, you were making moves there. That was, that was the cool one. I mean, that I saw on, on, on Twitter among, I, I mean, and friend of the show, 
one of our best friends, Cassie Johnston, literally spraining her foot, jumping up and down in the stands. <laughs> so yeah, and we got my mom who never watches racing and like doesn't care at all about it. Texted me afterwards. I was screaming at the TV this weekend. I'm like, oh my god, did did we did we get her to continue to watch racing from now? That probably is not going to happen, but it was definitely a a cool weekend. But so you're you pass McLaughlin. Did you at any point? I know it was you know you're, you're, when you pass him, it was going into the last lap. Did you think I, I've got this? You know, I have a chance at New Garden, or were you like, hey, I, I might be out of time? Yeah, it was definitely out of time. Maybe if there was like one more lap, I yeah. could have done something stupid um, and like went you know crazy deep into one and two and, and try to do something. Since I knew that the high line worked really well, so maybe could have done something. But going. We had a like a maybe it, it was a little bit too far and I went super deep in three but it, it yeah it was it was too far definitely had to need a, like another lap definitely two laps to like set him up. So obviously you know New Gardens won three in a row at Gateway, four yeah. overall in the six years we've raced there. From from a driver's standpoint, what makes Joseph New Garden so damn good at Gateway? He's just so consistent. I mean, like, every lap he does, also when he gets to traffic, he just doesn't really seem to lose as much time as everybody else. He just somehow manages to get around them as quick as possible and in the most efficient way. Um, and I think that's just the talent. Like, when I was rewatching the highlights and just rewatching the race in general, it's just that's what it looked like. He was able to just get around people a lot quicker than everybody else and just to, and so he could just keep that momentum. And so it just ends up being where everybody's trying to just chase him with these pit stops and trying to get clean air to catch up to him. Was it in the first part of the race or was it after the restart where he just went on like a rampage and passed everyone within about a span of a lap or two? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was before before the it was before the rain yeah after harvey's okay. uh harvey's contact that yeah, was so I, I don't know what they did with strategy obviously a lot of people at that time were doing fuel saving and it looked like he was still pushing um like i mean the pass he did on pato like i mean like it, i mean he literally finished the move on pato before they even reached turn one so and it was, so it's very clear that pato was definitely on on a fuel save strategy but yeah i don't know how they managed to do that or, or what but yeah i mean they did a good job Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Stay ahead of the pack with the latest racing news and interviews from the Hammerdown Racing Report. Your source for regional racing action as well as the national scene. 
Every week, we recap racing action from all around Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan and cover national racing series from the world of outlaws to NASCAR. Plus, get all the latest racing news. Join hosts Scott Hammer and Ron Miller, along with different featured guests each week. From dirt to asphalt, we have you covered. The Hammer Down Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform. I almost lost my train of thought there for a second. So you you think of something crazy. Yeah, you think, or think of the dancing elephant, uh, yeah. dancing tiger. It could be a distraction. <laughs> so you know you're you're in the press conference after the race, which yeah has to be you know, kind of slightly overwhelming just because you there's a you're sitting next to Joseph Newgarden and Scott <laughs> McLaughlin, and you hear I don't know I think you were gone at that point, but I'm sure you've heard the the nice things Joseph Newgarden said, kind of after i think after you were gone is that an extra confidence boost kind of on top of already finishing p2 that you know joseph newgarden two-time series champ and winner of the race going this guy's damn good yeah i know that felt really good when i saw that yeah that that almost gave like an extra little tear to my eye um because <laughs> yeah watching him i mean when is newgarden not like a, a fan favorite you know yeah. he's um he's just so nice on and off track and just drives with a lot of respect. So, you know, I've, of course, anytime I got near him through practice or, you know, the race like Toronto, I always try to show a lot of respect towards him, um, you know, because when you do that, I feel like it goes both ways. So it feels very good that he said those things. And, um, yeah, it was very cool that I was kind of being up close to him, racing with him. The w- one thing he said is, you know, I, I hope he, d- you know, I don't want him to get run over, you know, like some of the uh, some guys do when they're when they're too nice. Does that make you think like, okay, you know, I can stick my elbows out a little bit more now that I've gotten some good results? Or is it, you know, I have my driving style, not worried about, you know, making an unnecessary move or, or anything like that? Well, I feel like uh, it all just d- depends on the situation. Um, you know, if I need to be aggressive, I think I can be. I mean, like when there is no fuel target and the strategy is just push, push, push. I mean, here at Gateway, I feel like it showed that I have the aggressive sign when it's needed, but... Most of the time with IndyCar, it's always you got to strategize. Do you waste the fuel to make this one move, or do you save it and then you know you can make it later on, save the push, the pass? Because it feels like racing wise, you kind of just save as much as possible for the end. Um, but yeah, I feel like I definitely have been maybe on the the bit of the easier side, but at the same time, I am a rookie and I feel like I need to earn respect. And if I can respect other other drivers, I feel like then it'll slowly build. And it has definitely, you know, I remember at the beginning of the season in St. Pete, I was getting bullied. Like in practice, all the veterans would give each other gaps. And then I would come and they would just take my gap. Like they would not care. I was being like bullied. I was like, this is so hard. Um, and now, you know, throughout all these, these, uh, these races, I feel like that respect is a little bit earned. And now I, you know, I feel like I'm part of them, you know, they're giving me gaps and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. Like, I feel like I'm part of the gang now, you know, um, <laughs> you're at the cool but, kids table. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the aggression is going to get there. It's just also, I think a learning curve with how much to push, you know, an Indy car, how much can, how deep can you go? You know, how much brake pressure you can use at what stage of the tire, you know, if you're going from late move and you're breaking deep on tires that are at the end of their lifetime, you know, it's a lot different, you have to learn about it. You might end up locking a you know front left or front right or rears or so. It's it, that's kind of all going to be learned. And then once I know that what limit I can push at what time, I feel like that aggression will build and and come. Do you think that seeing you nail this result? I mean, everybody has been impressed with your rookie season performance, but 
getting this result on the board, do you think that anybody's going to change the way they race you, like see you more as a threat? Um, I don't know. That's something you'd have to ask them. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. You know, I think you get good results, you get bad results. Um, I did get a, a couple, a couple of drivers congratulate me daily, Rossi, Carpenter, um, a lot of, and a lot of other drivers. I can't really think of the top of my head right now. Um, but you know, I think, I think that like kind of respect was already earned on track, but I don't know if this result will, will, will make them a bit more defensive or anything like that. Um, I don't feel like I built any rivalries that race. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So you've got, you know, kind of looking at the, the rest of the season, I don't know, only a couple more races. I can't believe this year is almost over, but you know, Portland, you won, la- won, you won last year won. and finished second, right? Oh yeah, oh I did, but I don't want to remember that one. That one was bad. That's when Kyle got like a really good pass on me and Linus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was trying not to go into specifics on 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 the actual races, and then yeah, but you bring it up and it's just gonna be remembered. <laughs> but you know what? Let's change the topic. I remember H and D qualified like one, two, top three, five four. there. Yeah, or one, two, three, four, maybe yeah, four or five. I just remember H and D was on rails there. And then Laguna, where you had a couple good results last year. So do you feel, you know what, momentum is is in my favor? I've got at least, you know, a top 10 car the last couple rounds of the season before we before we wrap up the year. Yeah, that rookie of the year battle is, like, heating up. It's getting tight, yeah. So the actual championship and the rookie championship both getting tight. Yeah, so, um, you know, looking at... Last year, I know Grosjean had a lot of success at Laguna and had that amazing pass on Jimmy Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah, very aggressive, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but Portland's a bit of, a bit of a unknown. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I know our car has been a lot better since the start of the season because, you know, at the start of the season we got a car that I didn't really know or didn't really like, and so now throughout this season we've managed to find a car that I liked, and now we start with that car that I like. And then we can build on to it. So it just keeps getting better and better. And I feel like we're making, you know, I mean, every team's doing that. But I feel like we're making a little bit bigger jumps than other 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 teams. So I think like we keep closing that gap down. So going into Portland, I know that we'll have a pretty good car going into it. Just going to have to figure out that within the practice sessions that we get to tweak it as much as we can. Uh, but Laguna, I feel like we're, we're going to be pretty good, so, you know. But yeah, it's going to be tight because you know it seemed like Ray Hall they kind of found something with their car recently. So all of them have been a lot quicker um, with the with the road courses. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Is there one between Portland and Laguna, which are while both road courses pretty different in terms of you know layout and driving styles? Is there one you like more than the other? Well, I really I mean Laguna is this is just an amazing track. Yeah. It's so cool. There's so many different. Each sector is just very different of each other, and you know you have the special corkscrew. I'm excited to see how that feels in any car, just <laughs> going that much quicker. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Laguna is a lot of fun. But Portland, I've, you know, last year we had a lot of success in Indy Lights, and I really like the flow of that track as well. So I'm I'm I, I'm excited for both of the races. I like both of them. Probably like Laguna a little bit more. Frenchy. Yeah, I was just thinking about the first corner at portland and i know you've obviously been through that in indy lights because i remember there being some chaos last year like that race was pretty just insane like indy car oh, um yeah. 
does that give you any extra nerves at all just knowing that there's a corner like that that you really don't know what's going to happen well in indycar i feel like it's going to be a little bit less stressful because the indycars are built like tanks and i feel oh, yeah. like you can definitely give some tappings here and there again i'm going to bring back that grosjean pass um you could definitely hit True. people and it's fine and it'll the car can take it when in indy lights especially because it was late in the season and there was so much the championship was just so tight, and everybody was kind of very nervous. I remember the start; everybody, including me, we all just just went straight. We didn't want to risk it, <laughs> yeah. so we kind of like strategized and like you know, I, I I locked up my front brake, so that was like my excuse. I was like, "Well, I locked up. I, I'm gonna go straight," <laughs> and so we all managed to come out there like clean because yeah, there was a lot on the line, and just coming into that corner is just so nerve wracking. Um, so. I don't know. I think it really just depends where you start. If you're starting mid-pack going into that corner, it's going to be fun. It's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, oof, I don't know. Don't watch the highlight of the year Dixon ended up in the grass and still won the race. Was that, is that 2020? No, it's 20, Marco, it was the year, like, Marco ended up going, like, over Dixon or something like that. I forget what year that was. Oh, yeah. 2019, okay. maybe. I wasn't there, so it was... I mean, it happens every year, right? Yeah, pretty much. I'm just excited for the driver's briefing for Portland. I'm pretty sure that's going to be, like, mentioned and... Multiple times. Talked about. Yeah. So, I wanted to ask, you know, kind of, you know, looking at the rest of HMD, and especially in Indy Lights, you have Linus Lundquist, who probably is going to win the championship. I asked him to describe, kind of, like, your driving and, and you as a person this weekend... You know what? You know people who don't necessarily watch the road to Indy, but know Linus is leading, and but they should probably yes, they should, especially because HMD always has fantastic Indy Lights cars. What what should driver or what should drivers what should drivers and fans know about Linus Lundquist as he hopefully enters his championship winning weekend soon, and then you know gets into IndyCar. Well, Linus is extremely talented. Uh, you know, I went against the first time I was, well, met Linus and went against him was the FR Regionals. Yeah. And he dominated that. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy how, how well he did that. But then he went with us in Indy Lights. And, you know, I have, I had, I had that second year of knowledge of Indy Lights, which I think is huge. I always think going into a second year in Indy Lights, the drivers have like, I, I don't know. I just, it's like zero to a hundred. You have to play that Drake song. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's a second year in Indy lights is huge. And so I had that bit of a jump on him going into, into last season. Uh, but he was still like very good. I mean, he went to tracks that he's never been to and still succeeded very well in being within tents uh, of me and Kyle. Uh, but his driving style is very similar to mine. I remember he worked so well as a teammate because the, our driving style, the way we, we braked our exits, everything was the exact same. And going into it, we knew about it because at FR, he'd always qualify first. So we got his data and it looked identical to mine. Like the, <laughs> everything was just similar. So going into Indy Light season, I knew that he was going to be a really good teammate for both of us. Um, and he's such a joy. He's really good on camera as well. He's great at interviews. He is so nice as, as a person if you ever just hang out with him or meet him. Um, he's all around just fantastic. So it's obviously, it's pretty clear. It looks like that he's going to be uh, with uh, with IndyCar next year. So, well, I mean, he's at least got the championship. I'm pretty sure it's like pretty sorted out. Um, yeah. So it's going to be cool to see him in IndyCar. He's definitely going to be, uh, definitely want to watch for next year. Yeah, definitely 
one of my favorite interviews I've done this year at the track is Linus this weekend. It was a good, good, good long chat. And uh, I always like when a, a young driver actually remembers who you are more than more than once. And he came up to me at the beginning of this year and was like, hey, thanks for doing those interviews last year. And I was like, cool. I didn't know I was important enough to remember. Frenchie, got anything? Um, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking about the way you were talking about driving style. I don't know if we've discussed at all or if you've mentioned at any point how your driving style matches up with Takuma's, like how much data you guys can share and how useful that is. So we we definitely share quite a bit. Um, there is a little bit of difference. He is a very like late breaker kind of kind of style on the on the road courses. A uh, lot of attack, like very deep, more pressure. Um, and through time, I have, you know, worked on that a little bit to get a bit closer to him, but still isn't really reaching his sort of level. Um, when for me, it's more of uh, that kind of exit corner type of trying to just roll the speed in and get earlier on power so the the difference is a little bit there um and i feel like coming from indie lights i've liked a car that's just been um to turn left you have to turn right that's how indie lights works and going to the season i didn't know what i wanted and it, uh, who knew i just wanted a car that felt like an indie lights car because that was what i was kind of <laughs> used to so we definitely loosen up the car a lot more and i feel like compared to takuma i'm a little bit more on the loose end um with the with the way the cornering is, especially on the braking, mine ha- I have a little bit more rear locking involved as well, um, which, you know, for I, ge- I guess for Takuma's style of the, that late attack probably doesn't really fit too well. But there's still a lot that we connect with. So you get an off weekend this weekend. Are you going in on short vacation? Are you testing? Do you have no off weekend? Well, I know we're testing at Laguna on Monday, but I still have the weekend off, so I will be. Um, trying to get a tan in because I'm just very pale and I tend to not get a tan and I just get red and then just go back to, to just no yeah, tan. I feel that. So, yeah. Uh, so, but my sister said I need to like build up to it. So I'm going to like, I guess, Base tan. so she's going to help me. So I'm going to like go out and like intervals and like really strategize this out. And uh, so I have like, I'm, I'm actually leaving right after this interview to go over there and just have, have a whole week of just trying to, to build up this tan. So we'll see how successful I am. I don't know. I wish you the best of luck and don't get red because I hate getting sunburned. Yeah, being sunburned. So actually before I, I did go there for uh, one day before we left to Gateway and yeah. I did get a bit of a burn and I was outside for, I swear, like 45 minutes and I somehow <laughs> burned. And I don't know. I I'm was the same way. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. So my sister's like, oh, it's because you're just so pale. You know, you're just going to get burnt right away. So she's like, we need to strategize it, whatever. And so I was still a little bit burnt. And I had, and you know, you get the uncomfortable feeling like your body keeps shaking because it's trying to build up heat because it's all your blood cells is trying to repair your skin. And so I went and it was still like kind of there when I went into the car on Friday. And so they went and they put the belts and they like, you know, they tighten oh, the belts no. and they smash down on the belts. And I just had like a little squeal inside of my helmet. I was like, oh, my God, that was so painful. Uh, so but thankfully, you know, the adrenaline rush you get on track that took away all that that feeling. So I didn't feel it on track. But definitely afterwards, I could feel a little bit of like the burn on the shoulders. So let's let's end this episode so that you can get on the road. But 
your prediction for IndyCar. We have to we have to do a prediction here. So powers up. We got to recap our predictions. Yeah, too. we'll do that. We'll Actually, do that real after. quick. We'll do that after. Okay. So mm-hmm. let me see here. I can pull up the standings for you if. Oh, I can share my screen. I have it. Oh, what just happened? Okay, we're back. I have mine right here. Yeah, if you want to share it, go ahead. Uh, It's maybe not letting me. I got a second screen now just for this, so now I can... Oh, perfect. (laughs) Upgraded. Like, official. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Oh, hey, I'm 16th in the standings. Wow. Very cool. Moving up. Going up. I think that's where Pelot finished in his year with Dale Coyne when he came in. So there you go. Well, Nick. I have two more races. Hopefully we can we can jump Lungard. Lungard's right in front now. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. 11 points, right? Who's in front of Lungard? It's a good battle between me and Lungard. I knew going to the start of the season, I knew Lungard was going to be a big competitor. Actually, because I, I go-karted with him in the uh, Ricardo card. Daniel Ricardo, he had like a little Ricardo card, which was just like a spinoff of the Burrell. Is that the picture that just came out, like resurfaced or something on Twitter? Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't see any. Did you see that, Mike? Yeah, I'll... I'll uh... I'll text it to you. Who else is in that picture? I forget. Lungard and uh, Rasmus Lind. Oh, that's right. Rasmus Lind with long red hair. Yeah. So I remember we, uh, I was in that that team and was really good friends with Lungard. Like very good friends at the time. So I knew he was very good, extremely good. Mike, to answer your question, Grosjean is okay. in front of Lungard. So so part A is who is the champion, and part B is where where are do you think you will finish you, you know are you are you gonna predict rookie of the year is is that that might be too cocky is that too cocky to yeah, ask? jinx him don't yeah don't i don't want to jinx you i'm not i'm not i'm not gonna jinx anything um on myself i just think that wherever i finish that that the song is still gonna be stuck in my head yes that you spin me around and no matter where i finish we had a good result at gateway so <laughs> yeah i mean it's that's it's gotta be you're rewarding no matter what happens the last two races to to get that podium in you know a pretty big race on tv you know it's you checks off a lot of really cool boxes in a rookie season the only uh, like two rookies to get the uh podium this season so yeah i mean yeah competing with the big rookie class so so lungard lungard messaged me after that and he's he just said gg like it was it was funny because yeah because he was because obviously we, we matched his uh, his best result there, so the battle's not over yet. Especially after Nashville, like I was like, ooh, that's a big a big gap yeah. now. I was like, yeah. uh. so then after that, he was like, it's not over. So I was like, it's all fun and games, though. It's it's good. Yeah. No matter who wins, I feel like both 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 sides deserve it. Well said. Championship prediction then. See, well, I'm a big Will Power fan. I love Will Power, yeah. and I always talk to him in the RV lot. He's just, he's great. He's just so nice. So I, I'm just really rooting for him. I'm like a big fanboy of Will Power. So I, I, I'm, I have to go for Power. All right, we'll take it. And Frenchie, how did our predictions go from Gateway? I think one of us picked our co-host right here. Not yeah, to brag, you did, but it was me. Awesome, nice. <laughs> so you got you got good points there. I'm he guessing. did. He won probably because of that. <laughs> because I had Connor who finished twenty third, Colton who finished eleventh, and then Scott McLaughlin who was third. And then obviously you had David. Uh, you had Felix who finished sixteenth, and then Will Power who finished sixth. So yeah. your average finish was eighth, and mine was twelve point three. 
I'll take the victory on that one. Yeah. Okay, IndyCar, Portland 2021. <laughs> oh, yeah. Why don't you put in Portland predictions while while we're, Let's do it. While yeah. we're on here? Frenchie and I will save ours for, for next week, but we'll we'll yeah. allow early early entry into predictions. Okay, it looked like Chip were pretty dominant last year. Yes, that sounds right. Polo won last year? Yeah. I think Dixon so, yeah. third. Marcus Erickson seventh. Oh, wow. Jack Harvey finished fourth in Portland last year. Oh. All right. That's good. But that was with Meyer Shank, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So chips seem pretty dominant. Okay. So one inside the top, two inside the top twelve, and one outside the top twelve of the standings. Championships. Yes. Okay. So two inside top twelve, one outside. Yep. Okay. Okay, I have. A bit of a guess. So, who goes first? Uh, you you can get all yours in, and then Frenchie and I will do ours next week okay. when we when we do our episode. Okay, all right. I will do Pato and Dixon for inside top twelve. Okay, and then outside of top twelve, I'm gonna choose Callum. Oh. Damn it! I, I was just looking at taking him. But he took that one from me. Yeah, he just he picked a lot of good people that we now can't That's have. That's it. So. I am gonna DM him right now. I'm gonna be like, "You better get a good result." <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll put him on my fantasy league as well and just double down on it. Oh, I haven't checked my fantasy league to see if I actually did anything. My fantasy, my so public fantasy team stinks. Wait, I thought right. I did pretty well last weekend. I don't know. I might have. So I um. I did a, the so before the the race and gateway, so many people came up to me and said like I have you on my fantasy league. So I'm <laughs> that really motivated me. I was like, man, it was it was a good like yeah. eight people came up to me like I have you on my fantasy league. Like don't suck. And I'm like, okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> I think so, I had uh, you in mind. Actually, too. I did. Yeah, I did. Too. So yeah, shout out to them. I think we got pretty good points there. I'm like really cheap on that, right? I'm like 18 bucks. Yeah, you're, you're probably going to jump up into the 20s now. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm only worth 18 bucks. Why can't they like just saturate it? Like just put instead of 18 bucks, just say 18 million. So like just make everything in millions. <laughs> so just true. keep everything the same, but put it millions. So I'm like 18 million. That's just like so much cooler. That's what they do. But what's the top is only 30 bucks, right? For Joseph. Yeah. So, so somebody, like, why yeah. why is it so low? Like that's just boring. Make it like 30 million. You know, like that sounds cool. Like 30 million on him, 18 million on David. IndyCar, if you're listening, please update the dollar values in your fantasy league. Yeah, I agree. We need to add some no, zeros. No, like, seriously, yeah. like feel higher stakes. It just doesn't sound right. Like New Garden is worth thirty bucks. Like, no, nah. oh, make a good point. Yeah, hard to argue. I think I think it would bring interest to the fantasy league. But IndyCar fantasy league is by far the most fun. It's because it's just you just don't know what's going to happen. It's yeah. just so different. Yeah. Wait, I won the in our league. Actually, did you really? I won. At Gateway event, yeah. So it's the first one I've won all year. Where did I finish? Are you, now who, 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 what are now I'm third in the standings. Um, my picks were you, McLaughlin. Who else did I pick? What's like? What's like the oh, highest? Oh, Pato, Pato, and Sato. So I did pretty well. So who, who's who was the highest earning driver out of that? Oh, let me see. Probably like Pato. Which driver gave you the most points? Oh, probably you, because you, you were did. second. Yeah, you gave me 46.25 points, and Sato gave me 41.25. 
Yes. Good job, Dale Coyne. And I'm only 18 bucks. Let's go. <laughs> I know. That was, what a steal. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the points to dollar ratio is very high on David Malukas after Gateway. I know, yeah. That is that is awesome. Where did, where did I finish? You finished for the just the event? Yeah, just or... the, I don't want to know where I finished for the season. The season is low. Okay. I'm behind my dad's backup team who has missed a race. You finished your host MJ on that? Uh, yeah. Then you finished in seventh for the event. Okay. Yes. How many people are in the event? Ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody should see David's face went from like, oh, okay, that's good to, oh, oh shit, that's not so good. Real quick. <laughs> but I think you're still doing good in the league. Let me see. No, I'm like seventh for the season. I remember. Um, no way. Me and my friends at the beginning of the F1 season wanted to do something like that. Yeah. And so, after like the third race, I was leading by like a hundred points, and they're like, "Why are you so good?" I'm like, "I literally just picked Ferrari and Red Bull. It's like not that hard. It's, it's you don't have to. It's not a lot of brain power for that." We need to get him to join our grid rival uh, next season or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, let me join. Yeah, that F1 league is uh, a lot of fun. It's, it's a little more challenging than just picking Ferrari or Red Bull every race. So, yeah, we'll right. we'll send you an invite when the year starts. Anyway, we'll we'll wrap it up there. Everybody, enjoy F1 this weekend again. David, congrats on the podium. Super awesome to see. I know we'll obviously be the first of many. Definitely and. Yeah, everybody. Good luck on your tan. <laughs> Good luck on yeah, the tan. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again for having me. Um, and hopefully you can get better pizza in the future. Yes. Yeah. Better pizza. <laughs> and recover from whatever sweet and sour pizza you have. Yeah, that was gross. Anyway, yeah, we'll have you on again. I guess it'll be right after the, the season ends. So looking forward to see how you know, the last couple weeks play out. And uh, we'll do this again soon, everybody. Awesome. Have a lovely weekend of racing. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!